my cool cats and cool kittens. They try to copy our style, but they stay frostbitten. From the broadcast to the podcast, it is your man DM Cool. And this is Cool Radio. What we doing? You can catch me on your TV, even on the radio. Pop up at our blog spot, hand on my Uwego. We invading airwaves. Yes, yes, y'all. Tell a friend to tell a friend that we are back once again. It is another edition of Cool Radio, and I am your host, DM Cool. And the cool is in full effect. Ladies and gents, we've been gone for a couple of weeks or so, but I come with the smoke on this edition of Cool Radio, okay? I come with the smoke because there is a lot, a lot to unpack in today's edition of Cool Radio. So... We got to talk about this Astro World catastrophe that took place during the week and where all the blame is going, but where it should be going. So we're going to get into that. Uh, we're going to get into Kanye West talking crazy yet again, uh, this time on the Drinking Champs podcast. So we're going to get into that. Uh, Will Smith. There's a lot going on in the world of Will Smith. He's releasing a new book. Uh, he, he's also on the precipice of uh, releasing a new movie coming out within the next week, or this week rather, I should say. And a lot of the turmoil that he's kind of going through right now has a lot to do with Jada Smith. So we're going to get into that as well. Summer Walker, ugh, just her name just kind of just makes me quiver. That's ugh, we're going to get into that as well. Um, and we're also going to get into Brittany Renner. I know this one, this one's more of an older topic, but didn't get the chance to get into it the last time around. So we're going to get into that. But before we get into all of that, like that, that's a star studded lineup. If you ask me, uh, if you already know what's happening within the news and stuff like that, as it pertains to those names, then yeah, there's a lot to unpack here, but nonetheless, as we always get started with every episode of Cool Radio, you guys already know that I got some stuff to get off of my chest. So on that note, it is time to let that ish breathe. Let this bitch breathe. All right, so I figure I'd start things off this time around with a film review because you guys already know I had to get into my film bag from time to time. Uh, and this one comes by way of Marvel Studios. It is The Eternals. All right. So it's the latest offering for Marvel Studios. And it is the second to last film that's going to close out the year for Marvel. I still think, what was it? Spider-Man? Yeah. Spider-Man. Yeah. I believe that Spider-Man far from, or no, no, not far from home. Um, Ooh, what was No Way Home? There we go. No Way Home. That's a tagline. Spider-Man No Way Home will be the next one to come out, and that will be on Christmas Day, actually. But anyways, I digress. So The Eternals. So this one is a different one from Marvel, very different in terms of the characters uh, and the storylines, because we are... At least, you know, the casual audience is very unfamiliar with who the Eternals are. And even like the most hardcore comic book fan would even say that the Eternals are somewhat obscure characters in the MCU. But they do hold a great deal of importance, mainly because of the fact within the comic books, the Eternals are the ones who gave 
birth to the mutant gene, which then gave birth to the X-Men, essentially. And also, they have a relation to Thanos in the sense that Thanos, as far as what type of being he is, he is an eternal with what's called the deviant gene, and we'll get into all that later. But basically, The Eternals uh, is a film that's directed by Chloe Zhao. She has won, I believe, two Oscars. One of them was for Best Director and Best Picture for Nomadland. I uh, have not seen that, but I've heard good things about it. And so a lot of people were thinking, okay, well, with her behind the camera, uh, it's going to be one of the most, if not the most, different Marvel movie that Marvel Studios has put out, even to the point where it may not even feel like a Marvel movie. So we're going to get into all of that. But basically, the premise of... The Eternals. By the way, this is a non-spoiler review, so don't worry. You can take the earmuffs off. But the premise of The Eternals is it's basically a group of superpower beings who've been around, uh, who've been who've existed for about seven thousand years, and they are sent to Earth to look over humankind and to protect them from their arch nemesis, the Deviants, which are basically these monster-looking creatures. Whereas with the Eternals, they basically look like humans. They look like humans in, in some pretty cool costumes. That's essentially what they are. And each Eternal has their own superpower. Now, there's a lot of Eternals. I believe there's about 10 of them. It's like the Wu-Tang Clan, essentially. But there's about 8 to 10 of them, give or take. And each character has their own unique superpower that is indicative of them. And so their main purpose is to protect the world from the deviants, but to also not, I repeat, not interfere in human affairs. So if they see two humans fighting against one another, they can't interfere. By under any circumstance, they are not allowed to interfere. And they answer to a being known as a celestial who goes by the name of Ashram. Okay? So that's the premise right there. And there's no spoiler in there, I believe. So anyways... I watched this movie and I took in all the hype that came with it, all the promotion, quote unquote, that came with it, which I'll get to later. And after watching the movie, I can't say I was overly impressed with the film, but at the same time, I didn't think that the film was an absolute bomb. I thought, in my personal opinion, it was a middle of the pack MCU film. I would put it in the middle, essentially. Uh, so... Some good things about the film that I liked is that I do like the fact that they took a different direction style with the film just in terms of the visuals. So there's a lot of wide shots, uh, a lot of, you know, panning to certain characters when certain things happen. Uh, some of the color schemes were, were a bit different. Like they kind of contrasted some bright colors with some some grays and some mids and what have you. So just from that technical visual standpoint, I kind of liked and I almost felt like they were using elements of what you would find in like an art house style film and just blending it with what you would normally see within the MCU. So I kind of like that. Um, I do like some of the twists that did happen in the film. I'm not going to you know, expose them or anything like that. But there were a few twists that were like, oh, OK, that was did not see that coming. OK, interesting. All right. And they gave us a little bit more context into what happened or what has happened with the Celestials in terms of like their existence and how they created the Eternals and what have you, and just kind of give us more context into what their main purpose is. Um, and then they also did shed a little bit, a little bit of light on, you know, Thanos and the, and the snap and what have you, but just a little bit. And I'll, 
get to that later in my, in the things that I don't like. Um, but yeah, those were some of the things that I did like. And then yeah, there were some comedic moments that I, that I liked as well. Um, what's my man's name? Uh, Kumail Nanjiani, who played I think his character's name was Kibo. I could be wrong on that or Kin. It was a Kinjo. It started with a K. I know that. Anyways, um, he provided a lot of hilarity, and he had also had an associate who worked alongside him who goes by the name of Patel. He was extremely funny. I loved him, absolutely. Um, there was another character that I, that I fancied. His name is Druig. At first, I didn't like him. I thought he was a douche, but then as you continue the story along, I'm like, okay, I kind of like him now. I kind of like him. Um, so there was a lot going on, you know, with different character subplots and what have you. And that kind of leads into the cons of this movie. So because there are so many characters on one team, that's where the movie suffers because there's not enough time to develop a lot of these characters. And this movie's long, ladies and gentlemen. It's two and it's well over two and a half hours. It's about two hours and 40 minutes. And because it's so long and because of the direction style that they chose and how the film was written it feels long it's not like you're watching infinity war for example and everything just goes by so fast it feels like it's two and it's more than two and a half hours long and that's kind of what drags it down a little bit for me and also when it comes to the amount of characters that you have in this film because you're trying to build some sort of connection with these characters because you believe that they're going to be integral in the MCU for years to come, this movie would have been best suited as a Disney Plus series. Now, there's a lot of reasons as to why they resorted to making this more of an MCU film as opposed to a series. Um, and I'll get to that a bit later. But this, from a character development standpoint, bar none, this would have benefited as a series because... There are far too many times within the movie where in order to get to know these characters and to try and build a relationship with them, there are so many moments of exposition that we have to dive into that cut in between uh, what's happening in the present day. And it kind of takes you out of the moment when you are watching what's currently happening in present day and you're trying to figure out what the main plot of the film is going to be. And so because you're jumping back and forth in, in a time loop, you don't get enough time to sit with certain characters because you're in the present moment with one character, but then you got to drop uh, uh, quickly go into a next moment of character development with another character from like 50 years ahead uh, before before it. And it's just the pacing of that can really get annoying from time to time. So I think that's the thing that the movie kind of suffered from. And, and speaking of Thanos, what I mentioned earlier, while they did shed a little bit of light of, you know, Thanos, I think there are still some gaping plot holes as far as why they couldn't intervene when Thanos was basically trying to destroy half of the population. And this is a bit of a film theory for, for, for me in particular, but with Thanos, and I don't think this was confirmed in the movie, but in the comics, Thanos is an eternal as well, but he has a deviant gene within him. So he's basically half eternal, half deviant. Now, if the main role of the Eternals is to prevent the Deviants from harming humankind, then with that logic in mind, shouldn't they have intervened against Thanos since he is half Deviant? But they didn't. And they didn't necessarily address that. Like, somebody blatantly asked, why didn't you guys stop Thanos? 
And to be honest, I couldn't even remember the reason that they gave as to why they didn't stop Thanos. They they just kind of brushed it to the side. It was, they kind of gave like those typical PR answers that if you ask a direct question that could be seen as controversial, they'll use a lot of their jargon in order to kind of skirt away from that. I felt like that's what they did in the movie because they just they never they never really addressed it. Basically, somebody asked, how come y'all didn't intervene when Thanos was here trying to destroy half of the population? The answer was because screw you. That's why. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's basically basically how they addressed it. And I didn't really get anything from it. Now, they could be saving that for another film, you know, the sequel to it, or for another film within the MCU that kind of ties directly to the Eternals. We don't know. We'll see. Only time will tell. But yeah, too many characters and not enough character development. I thought the characters on paper were pretty interesting for the most part. There were a few that annoyed me, but... I felt like we could have gotten a lot more had we had this as a Disney Plus series, but they're not going to do going to do that for this movie because that kind of brings me into my next point. So, when it comes to this movie or the promotion of this movie, two years ago this was promoted at Comic Con, and this is mind you, this is before COVID and everything like that, and so they promoted this movie heavily and they rolled it out heavily. And the way it was rolled out, I wasn't too particularly enthusiastic about. And I'm going to say why. Now, I'm always down to see a Marvel film, no matter what it is. But if you're going to sell me on a Marvel film, or any film in general, but if we're going to talk about a Marvel film specifically, then sell me on the new character that you're rolling out from the comics or the team of characters that you're rolling out from the comics. Sell me on that. Sell me on what their what their overall goals are. Sell me on the on how they connect with the overarching MCU. Sell me on that. They didn't necessarily sell me on that altogether when they were rolling it out. They the way they did their rollout was based on diversity. And when it comes to Hollywood, especially in these days and times, Hollywood, while I don't mind diversity at all, I think diversity is needed. I think when you are treating diversity as a gimmick and as a prop to sell your movie, as opposed to the story of the film and, and the characters in the film and what have you, that's where you lose me. This is just me personally, because me personally, I don't like being pandered to. Um, so the way they rolled out this movie, you see the casting characters that like you see, uh, Gemma Chan, you see Angelina Jolie, you see uh, Selma Hayek, my wife, um, you see Kumail Nanjiani, you see a, 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 a wide array of casting characters, Brian Tyree Henry uh, from different, you know, diverse racial and ethnic backgrounds or what have you, which is great. But then when you're trying to do that and knowing the kind of climate that Hollywood is in and how they like to pander to the masses by selling them on diversity and letting that be the focal point as opposed to a good script and a good uh, screenplay and what have you, that's where you lose me. Because now, not only are they selling it on, you know, um, the racial diversity and what have you, but now you're also selling me on the fact that, you know, you're rolling out your first ever openly gay MCU character, which is fine. But again, don't let that be a selling prop for the film. Sell me on whom the film is going to be about, the directors that you have and the cast of actors that you have. And how they tie into the MCU. Sell me on that. And then they roll out and then they go out of the way to roll out. We have the first, you know, hearing impaired um, character within the MCU as well. It's like, okay, I see what you're doing. 
great. You have that actor. By the way, that actress who who played that character, fantastic. But again, you're selling me on your diversity checklist as opposed to the actual movie itself. I don't like that. And then you're selling me on, you know, the, the youngest actor to ever play a character in the MCU. It's like, okay, like, I get it. You're checking off all of your diversity boxes. Great. And then on top of that, you have Chloe Zhao, who at the time she hadn't won the Oscar for Best Director and, and Best Film. She hadn't done that yet. But, like, based on what has happened in, in the uh, two years since that, because this is supposed to come out in 2020. But since then, Chloe has won those two Oscars, and this movie was pushed back into November. And for anybody who's into films, November is Oscar season. And Kevin Feige, the head producer of Marvel, has said many a times that he believes that this movie will, will win an Oscar. And based on how the Oscars are, are situated nowadays when it comes to diversity especially, Oh, man, like this has Oscar bait written all over it because of the, the their overemphasis on diversity. And again, I have nothing against the actors. I have nothing against the fact that you're making one of the characters openly gay or whatever the case may be. Great. Just don't use that as a selling feature and don't make that as a selling prop to, you know, get a great uh, to get an Oscar. It's to the point where the rollout for this movie was way heavier than it was for Shang-Chi. And in my opinion, Shang-Chi is the far superior film on all fronts. This one, it's not a bad film. I enjoyed it. Like, I would watch it again, no doubt. But with the kind of rollout and the hype that was given, put it this way for all my basketball fans out there. The rollout that they gave Eternals is the same rollout that the NBA media has given for Zion Williamson when really we should have been paying attention and praising the likes of a John Morant. John Morant is Shang-Chi, all right? So... Overall, I think this is one of the reasons why a lot of people were very vocal against this movie. But at the same time, like they were vocal against the movie solely for that without even taking into consideration how good of a quality film that this movie is. And again, it's not amazing, but it's not terrible either. I think it's just middle of the pack. Like it's a it's a decent film. It's a decent film. I, I can objectively say that I had a good time watching this and it was a decent film. I would re I would rewatch this multiple times. Overall, my rating on this film, I give it anywhere between six and a half to seven cool points out of ten. Straight up. That's just my objective opinion on it. Um, I know a lot of the critics, if you go to Rotten Tomatoes, for example, which is like an aggregated score of different critics here and there. Um, I think when it first came out, like the opening weekend, it had a score of 47%. But then the audience score was 80%. So there's obviously a divide of people who really like it and people who aren't so fond of it. But overall, I thought it was a good film, and I think they didn't have to oversell people on the fact that you have this multiracial diverse cast where you have a character who's openly gay, where you have a character who's hearing impaired. Like, you didn't have to oversell us on that. I feel like it would have been a lot better if they had just let us get to it, like, promote the movie for what it is, you know, who the characters are and stuff like that, and then when we get to the movie, then we see this openly gay character. Then we see this uh, this hearing impaired character. Then we see that young character, et cetera, et cetera. That would have been a lot better in my opinion because it wouldn't have felt so contrived. It wouldn't have, it wouldn't have felt like you are literally trying to pander. And I think that was the main issue for me, at least. I know a lot of people took exception to that, but there's a lot of people out there who just take exception to the fact that 
there is not enough white men <laughs> in the film or there's not enough or 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 there's too much gay representation or there's too many uh visible minorities I, I think those are the people who kind of took more of the exception to the film more than anything but overall objectively speaking i thought it was a good film if you're a marvel studios fan you should go check it out um if you're just a general moviegoer check it out give it a shot um, if you like your sci-fi adventure stuff, give it a shot as well. Um, there are definitely definitely some interesting storylines that took place in the film. And I think it would have done better as a series just because there's so many characters on the team. But you work with what you got. And I'm curious to see how the next one is going to turn out and where some of these characters are going to align themselves within the MCU. So anyways, go check it out if you haven't gone seen it. All right. Now it's time for the mic check segment of the day okay oh boy <laughs> ladies and gents there's a lot to get to on on today's episode like i mentioned before but this will be the beginning of what is going to stir up a lot of discussion and i encourage you all to you know have these chats with me as well i know some of you some of you you know like to reach out to me personally after you've listened to the pod and want to give me your thoughts and i love that i appreciate i welcome that in fact so please feel free to do so um yeah real quick hit me up on my social feed at cool for thought on on ig as well as uh dm underscore cool on twitter and i think i have that on facebook as well uh but yeah i'm here for the chats i'm here for the discussions so let's get into it so yeah my check segment of, of the of the of the week uh, Astro World, all right, Astro World. So a lot of you have already heard about this incident and may or may not some know some of the particulars that took place during this incident. But this is a festival uh, that was hosted and headlined by Travis Scott, and that was uh, put together and organized by Live Nation. And during this event, however, a lot of unfortunate events took place. So here is basically just a quick rundown of what took place at the event. So there's about 50, sorry, 50,000 people in attendance, and there were eight deaths reported at this concert. Also, barricades were rushed through by fans. Fans also hopped over the fences, and there were even rumors swirling about a person who was sticking syringes into the concert goers. So that's that alone is a lot to unpack. All right. So a lot of people, because of what had taken place, are holding Travis Scott solely responsible for the event. And I think they're doing that, especially on the heels of the apology that he put on social media, which, to be honest, I'm not going to say it was a fake apology, but it didn't look like the most sincere. And optics are everything to people more than ever nowadays in this world of social media and transparency. So the fact that he didn't come across as emphatically sensitive about what was happening makes people want to blame him even more for all the events that took place. Uh, so here is my take on what had taken place at World. It's super unfortunate that this shit happened, but... Me personally, I'm not a fan of how there are people out there trying to hold him solely responsible for it. Anytime you have an open field concert at a festival like Coachella, Lollapalooza, Rolling Loud, Woodstock, if you really want to take it back to the old school, uh, mosh pits and super stand levels of fanaticism always take place. This is not the first time. This won't be the last. The grunge era, for example of the early 90s was synonymous with it. And just rock and roll culture is very synonymous with 
with the uh, with the mosh pit stuff, which we'll kind of get into later, actually. Now, on one end, there needs to be tighter security measures to make sure fans don't bust through the gate like what just took place. And on the other end, fans really need to chill altogether. I think there's a level of accountability that fans need to have uh, when it comes to these certain events, because from what was reported, people were stomping and trampling on each other. And even when that was happening, there weren't fans who were there weren't enough fans, I should say, who were there who were trying to stop the trampling and trying to be the responsible adults or just trying to be a good Samaritan and say, hey, let this person up, like give them some room. So there wasn't enough of that going on. And it's interesting that how a lot of people were blaming Travis for this event, yet there's even video footage of Travis stopping the concert for a second to make sure that the ambulance got to people in time who were collapsed or who were passed out and all all those things in between. But again, no one's talking about that because we love the controversy. But anyways, I digress. Now, what was also said is that he's going to uh, offer up free counseling for the people who are who are mentally distressed at what happened, and there there also may be um, there also may be something where he may be donating some of his earnings to you know funeral costs or what have you. That's not confirmed, but there are people who are suggesting that, and that's entirely up to Travis if he chooses to do that. I feel like that should be more of an action that Live Nation should take since they're the ones who put this whole event together and they should be held responsible. But again, we're going to get to that in a second. Um, but yeah, there's that that needs to be discussed as well. And overall, it just goes back to the fans who need to have a greater sense of decorum and not to continue to keep partying and stomping when other people are visibly trying to escape the pit. You can't blame Travis for that. So that is like my general thought and consensus with the whole incident it's an unfortunate incident don't get me wrong i'm not even trying to downplay what took place you know at that at that afternoon but nonetheless travis just because he's the face of the event doesn't mean that he should be getting the blame for that i can understand if this was like five or six years ago where he's actually encouraging fans to rush the security guards or to jump from a platform and what have you i can understand why you would feel emboldened to blame him even then he would still want to get the entire blame for that but he would get a portion of that blame. And he's done that before in past concerts and has been held accountable for that. But if this is the one that we're specifically talking about, none of that took place. So I think we all really need to be objective and basically hold the people who should be held accountable, hold them accountable. Because if we're going to pick and choose who should we hold accountable in these scenarios, then people should be holding Beyonce, for example, accountable for the incident that occurred when she mentioned quote unquote Becky with the good hair and the woman who was allegedly Becky was sent death threats numerous times. Are we holding her accountable for that? I don't think we should. I think this goes on to the responsibility of fans. And even if you do have an artist who's shouting at you to jump from a platform, you're an adult. (laughs) You know what I mean? You're an adult. Like you have full agency, full control over your own actions I don't think that's something that you should be doing. You wouldn't do it on any given regular basis. So why are you going to do it when you know your favorite artist is saying that you should? So anyways, I know there are going to be some people who are going to be, going to be listening to this and thinking that I'm some, some hardcore Travis Scott fan or stan, and that's not the case. Like The only album I've ever listened to from him is Astroworld. Uh, but I'm a firm believer in knowing that 
when it comes to certain moments like this that happen that happen at festivals, for example, you gotta hold the event organizers accountable for that because it's super easy to blame the face because the face is just one person. But something like Live Nation, for example, is an entity and a brand altogether. It's a conglomerate filled with many people who have many positions, whether they're a president of this, executive vice president of that, general manager of one sector, um, COO of another sector. Like there's so many people that you would have to address. So people don't like to do that because at the end of the day, it's too much work. People would rather cut off the tail of the snake as opposed to the head of the snake. Live Nation would be the head of the snake in this regard. And there should be more responsibility and accountability placed on them because dating back to 2006, all the events that they have put together, they have been responsible for over, and I have the number right here, actually, they're responsible for over 200 deaths and 750 injuries that have taken place. That's not something to snooze at. Like, that is a huge red flag. You see all those red flag emojis that are becoming viral right now? They should get a ton of them, a ton of them. But we're focusing on our, our energy on Travis Scott because he's a performer. His name's on the marquee, and people just have this love and hate relationship for celebrities and celebrity culture. When it comes to Live Nation or any any event planner, they're the ones who are responsible for putting everything together. They're the ones responsible for putting together the cost for pyrotechnics, for example. They're, they're responsible for getting the scaffoldings built and, and placed properly. They're responsible for hiring the audio engineers. They're responsible for hiring security and a whole bunch of preemptive measures to prevent any kind of ruckus or riots or anything like that from incurring. And in this scenario, they failed because you had people hopping over the fences and barricades. You had people bum rushing the, the the entrance and trampling over people like they should have been a lot more prepared and a lot more organized in this type of event. And again, people want to you know throw the blame at the more visible entity. So let's take in, for example, just as a loose example, let's take in the Toronto Raptors uh, championship parade, for example. A shooting took place, and there's one point in time where a riot ensued. Not a riot, but people were rushing and running, um, and people kind of got caught in that tsunami wave of people just running all over the place, myself included. Um, even within the Nathan Phillips Square, there are people who are passed out. Are we going to blame the tr- the entire Toronto Raptors team or organization for that for that entire collapse? Are we not going to blame the city of Toronto for that? That the city of Toronto should be the ones responsible for that because they're the ones who put that event together. We shouldn't blame Masai Ujiri for that. We shouldn't blame Bobby Webster for that. Not Nick Nurse. What are we going to do? Are we going to blame Kawhi Leonard for that? <laughs> like He's not responsible for that. He's responsible for bringing the, the team a championship. He's not responsible for the, the parade itself. Fred Van Vliet, Pascal. Like We're not blaming the players or the coaches or the, or the executives of the Raptors. Like, the owner should go on to... The city of Toronto, because they're the ones who put up, put on the event. Same thing for this Travis Scott concert. Um, Live Nation was the ones responsible for it. Therefore, they're the ones who have to answer to it. And a lot more people should be more vocal towards Live Nation as an entity, as opposed to Travis Scott, just because he's the visible celebrity and, and performer. And... 
here's another thing I want to get into. This one has to do with like mosh pit culture. And I mentioned this earlier. When it comes to mosh pit culture, this is something that is not really familiarized enough within hip hop. There's more synonymous with, with rock bands and stuff like that. Now, when it comes to mosh pit culture, I'm not going to say that no one's ever been, no one's ever not been injured or, or anything like that from mosh pit culture or anything like that. But there's a certain decorum that happens within mosh pit culture where if you fall down or if you're feeling as if you're about to pass out, the idea is you pick up that person. You pick up that person, and even and if there's a celebrity who's performing, like a musician who who notices that, then they stop what they're doing, and then they they make it a point to point that out. Now, obviously, you're not going to see that from afar, no matter who you are, because at the end of the day, your job as a performer is to perform, to entertain the crowd. Someone literally has to bring it to your attention. Like you know, I'm not talking about a fan waving their hands in the air. I'm talking about somebody who's backstage who needs to get a special announcement to you who and then at that point you relay that announcement to the rest of the crowd but when it comes to mosh pit culture that is something that hip-hop is not used to and i don't think hip-hop is ready for especially this day and age with a lot of hip-hop fans who are in that that druggy phase where everyone is using and at that at that point in time you're not going to be in the right state of mind because you're going to be super inebriated and that's another thing that kind of leads into what I wanted to talk about as well when it comes to the fans who are not taking accountability. Fans are already coming into these events drunk and high and wasted and whatever the case may be. So when you're listening to any kind of music and it's the kind of music that gets you going, you're not going to take the time to you know uh, pick up anybody who is collapsed on the ground. And for that person to not only neglect that, but to then blame the artist for that as well, to me, is irresponsible. Now, I'm not here to say that Travis doesn't deserve any blame whatsoever, but the amount of blame that he's getting for it, it's unfair. And it's unjust. That's just the way it is, right? Because like, if you're going to blame him, then we should blame every single artist who's ever done like a little mosh pit or stage dive thing that they encourage people to do. And then something happened to them. Because at the end of the day, as any human being, as any adult, if you're over the age of 18, you are seen as an adult. You are seen as somebody who is legally allowed to enlist in the army. You're legally allowed to work full time. You're legally allowed to apply for a student loan so that you can pursue post-secondary education. You have full agency and autonomy to do whatever the hell you want. And you should have enough cognitive abilities to know right from wrong like that's just what it is so you can't get mad at an artist for an event that is far beyond their control for an event that you participated in and for an event that some people and i'm not saying all people who are responsible for this in the crowd but for some people who chose to get drunk who chose to get high and to, who chose to get inebriated in some way, shape, or fashion in order to get themselves ready for this concert. And as far as the people passing out, I mean, it's 50,000 people. And there's and it's, it's one of those festivals where you're just standing. There's no seating or anything like that. So, of course, with all those combined bodies together, you're most likely going to pass out. Not to mention, we are still in a pandemic. We are still in COVID season. So, for all we know... I'm sure, you know, there are plenty of people there who are vaccinated. 
But with that being said, it doesn't mean that COVID doesn't exist anymore. So who knows? Maybe there are people who are in attendance who did have symptoms of COVID. Maybe that's why they passed out. When you're that level of inebriated on drugs or alcohol, you are going to pass out as well because your body is not hydrated enough. That's just a scientific fact. If you're standing out there for six, seven, eight hours, you're going to pass out because you chances are you haven't eaten anything. When people go to go to those festivals, they some of them just stay for the entire set and they don't even take a break because they want want to maintain their spot in the crowd. So there's a lot of factors that people are conveniently ignoring because it's way more easier to blame the celebrity. Why? Because they're the popular ones, because they're rich. They're living a, a life that's more lavish than theirs and they wish they could have that. But at the end of the day, there needs to be accountability on the fans part. And there needs to be a hell of a lot more accountability on the part of the event planners, which in this case is Live Nation. So I'm going to conclude this segment by saying that, once again, it's an unfortunate event. It, it's, it's, a, it's a tragedy that happened, and no one should have to worry about the fact that they may not make it out of a concert, whether it's Travis Scott, whether it's Beyonce, whether it's Celine Dion, all right? But at the end of the day, to blame the celebrity for everything that that went wrong is totally irresponsible. What about the parents? And there were reports about this. But what about the parents who took the 10 and 11 year old children to this festival? I'm sorry, but this is not the kind of music festival that you take kids to. You need to be like 18 or older to go to a Travis Scott concert. I'm sorry. Maybe there are a few teenagers there, like 15, 16 years old. But 10, 11 years old? No. That is not the environment for them. And music festivals historically, again, dating back to Woodstock, have a lot of alcohol use, have a lot of drug use. It's not an environment for kids at all, even by the slightest measurement. So I would say those parents need to be held accountable in some form or fashion as well. But to put all the blame on Travis, to me, is very irresponsible. So once again, I do hope the best and I wish for the best for the people who were affected greatly by this. Um, my condolences to all the family members who lost the loved ones in that event. Um, if you if you're really looking to pin, pin blame on this, pin blame on the entity who has had a track record for for multiple deaths and and multiple injuries over the last 15 years, and that is Live Nation. They are the ones that should be held responsible, solely, or primarily responsible. Not Travis Scott, and to a certain extent, not the fans who chose to be unruly and rambunctious, but Live Nation as a whole for not making sure that the proper security measures were put in place to ensure a safe environment for everyone to enjoy. But hey, I could be completely wrong on that. What do you guys think? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Either way, let me know. Hit me up on my socials and have this conversation with me because I would be very curious to get your thoughts on it. All right. So let's get into Trip Talk. So three of the hottest topics that took place in um, in hip-hop and pop culture. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Ooh, there's a lot to get to. (laughs) There's a lot to get to. Oh, my God. Okay, let's get to it. I'm going to start off with Kanye West because I feel like this one is A, predictable, and B, will probably be the shortest out of the three. So let's get to it. So Kanye was being interviewed on the Drink Champs podcast, which is co-hosted by 
uh, former rapper Noriega. And there were a multitude of things that he discussed on that show. And two of the things that stood out to me while he was on the Drink Champs podcast was the fact that he said that he thinks Issa Rae should thank him for making her relevant and that he now hates Common and Talib Kweli because they are liberals and that they did not support him during his uh, 2020 presidential campaign run. All right. Now, let's start with the ESA stuff first. So as we all know from Kanye over the over the course of the last, I'm going to say, I'm going to say eight years at the very least, at the very least. What we know from Kanye is that if he says something controversial, it usually means that there's a rollout of some sort coming. It could be a new album, it could be new sneakers, new clothing, whatever the case may be. Anything that's involved with the Kanye West brand, if there's a rant, then a rollout is sure to follow up. We know this. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's about to release something very soon. Now, as it pertains to Easter Ray, this quote comes from him. And it comes from the fact that Easter Ray, I think sometime last year, she was the host of Saturday Night Live and she made a joke about Kanye. And somehow Kanye believes that that joke is what made her famous. So not the fact that she had her own YouTube channel back in the day entitled Aqua Black Girl, which had a ton of followers and a huge following at that. And not because of the fact that she has one of the most popular shows on HBO entitled Insecure, which has broken so much ground. Not because of that. No, no, no. And not because of the fact that she is probably one of the biggest content creators that the world has today and when i mean content creators i'm talking about somebody who started off with youtube and has now pioneered off into mainstream media whether it's with insecure whether it's with her all black lady sketch show comedy comedy series on 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 hbo whether it's the fact that she has helped produce and write different movies she did it all on her own of like of course she's had help mind you but she didn't need to come up off of anyone's name to make that happen like this is this is the epitome of 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 kanye's jackassery and kanye is somebody who doesn't know how to take a joke we've seen this before when he was roasted on saturday saturday night live by pete davidson he didn't like it and when he was roasted on an episode of south park when they called him a, a fish stick he didn't like that as well. That, uh, whatever. <laughs> but Kanye obviously doesn't like being the butt of the joke. The funny thing is Kanye used to have a great sense of humor. Like he would make fun of himself all of the time. And he was like somebody who was seen as someone who would interject comedy into his rap. We all know nowadays that Kanye is a different human being altogether. But... The fact that he's trying to shoot down another celebrity or another star and basically saying that he made their career just off of a name drop alone when this person already had their career in place says a lot about Kanye. I mean, put it this way. In order to host Saturday Night Live, you have to be relevant. 
You have to be somebody who already has a career. Saturday Night Live has been famous mainly because, or not mainly, but one of the reasons why they've been famous, I should say, is because of the fact that every week they have a guest who is an already established celebrity at their craft, whether whether it's a musician, whether it's an actor, comedian, etc., etc. Issa was already well-established before she had that hosting gig. You have to be somebody who is well-established and who already has a name in order to host Saturday Night Live. So how in the world did Kanye make Issa's career? And more so, why does he believe that she has to thank him for making her career? Stupidity, stupidity. Let's move on to the common and quality stuff. So he says that he now hates Talib Kweli and Common because of the fact that they did not support his presidential campaign and because of the fact that they're liberals. Bro, I'm not saying you can't change your political ideologies. You can go from liberal to conservative or vice versa. You're totally within your right to do that. But I just find it funny how when this guy first started off his career, he said a lot of things that had more of a liberal tinge to it, and now he's like all the way right-wing conservative that's what it feels like and again he's entitled to that but why would you then hate your friends and frequent collaborators that you've been collaborating with for almost 20 years now why would you feel the need to hate them because you're somebody who's always talked about you know these labels paul these political labels they separate us but then you are are out here literally proclamating your hate for these individuals because of the fact that they have a different political ideology than you. Again, this is Kanye hypocrisy 101. And on top of that, they didn't want to support you because of the fact that you showed support for Donald Trump, a person who is an advocate in hate speech, who has advocated for people to hate people who don't align with their ideologies. This guy was responsible for encouraging a mob of people to attack the Capitol. Like, he basically was responsible for committing treason. The Capitol hasn't been stormed in more than 100 years. And we're talking about, like, the Civil War days between the North and the South. And that's somebody who encouraged that. And you're somebody who has often aligned himself with that person. So I think it's pretty obvious as to why they didn't support your presidential campaign. Because you share a lot of the same beliefs and ideologies as Donald Trump. And they're not about that. So obviously, they're not going to support you on that endeavor. So why do you feel like it's right for you to now hate these people that you came up with? Hell, these people, I, I wouldn't even say Kanye came up with them because Caleb and Common had their own careers going on. If anything, ironically enough, we're talking about Kanye saying how Issa should thank them. If anything, Kanye should thank Talib Kweli and Common. Because if not for those placements on his beats, his earlier beats especially, Kanye wouldn't be where he's at. Mind you, like, Jay-Z helped him out. Like, we, we know the story. We know the story. But I'm saying nobody was really messing with Kanye when he, when he was an up-and-coming producer. There are other producers that these guys were collaborating with already. Like, well-established producers. Kanye was out here collaborating with No ID and DJ Premier. Um, and then and then uh, Tyler Quali was out here uh, collaborating with, uh, oh, my God, what's my guy's name? F- uh, tech... Tech, oh my god, it's, it, it literally had it in my mind just now. Literally, I 
bet I'm going to remember it when this is all said and done. Whatever. The point I'm trying to make is this. Kanye has nothing, no reasonable grounds whatsoever to judge anyone or to make bold proclamations and saying that he is responsible for their careers. No. Now, you could say that about maybe like a Big Sean, for example, whom he said he would never sign to a record label again. I can't remember why he said that, but if anything, good for Big Sean for being free from the shackles of Kanye West because he doesn't need that in his life. And I think it's kind of shitty of him to make Big Sean buy his masters from him when he said that he would never make an artist do that because he knows what that's like and he would never want to put any of his artists through that. But again, Kanye hypocrisy 101. Can't say I'm surprised at this point anymore. This, this, is, this is who Kanye is. This is who he is and who he, who he possibly has always been. And we just didn't realize it. So... Those are my thoughts on Kanye because I don't have a whole lot to say about him that you guys haven't already heard from me or that you don't already have confirmed about him already from your point of view. Kanye's a jackass, simple and plain. He's a jackass. But anyways, let me know what you guys think about the situation. Now, let's get into Will Smith, all right? Let's get into Will Smith. Let's, oh my God. Listen, shout out to Will Smith, all right? Will Smith is one of my favorite all-time celebrities all right like and overall i mind you i've never met will smith before i'm sure a lot of you listening haven't met him before and for the ones who have man good on y'all i'm i'm respectfully jealous (laughs) but man he comes across as as a great person just a great overall person and you He's the kind of person where you always want to root for, in my personal opinion, at least. That's going to come with a bias, of course, because I've been a fan of his since he was a rapper. Um, and, of course, refreshments of Bel Air days as well. But overall, he just comes across as a genuine human being. Now, he was in the media. He's been in the media for a multitude of reasons. So off the top, he has a movie coming out this week where he plays a role of the father of Venus and Serena Williams. And he is starring in that film as a lead role, of course. He also just released a book, his, his memoirs, that dive into a lot of things that, that has gone on in his life and his career as well. And he recently had a sit-down interview with Oprah detailing these things. Um, a couple of the things that he talked about was his mental health. And then he also spoke on the jealousy that he had towards the now past rapper uh, Tupac Shakur. And one of the reasons for that jealousy is because of the fact that Pardon me, is that Jada had a strong connection, quote unquote, with Tupac, as we already know, as she loves to put out on a yearly basis, whether it's on the anniversary of his death or on his birthday. We know this already. It's 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 a running joke at this point. But anyways, we'll get to that in a second. And he basically exclaimed how he was so jealous of the fact that they had that relationship and that connection and the way that she would look at him. And he always wished that she would look at him with that level of intent and conviction and adornment as well. And this leads us to Jada Pinkett Smith. First of all, I think I'm just going to call it Jada Pinkett from now on because I don't think she even deserves to have the last name Smith associated with hers. And I know there are going to be some people who are going to be thinking that I'm being too harsh, but guess what? I don't give a fuck. 
I don't give a flying fuck. You know why? Because I am so tired of this person. I am so tired of Jada shitting on Will. All right? So let's start with the whole Tupac thing. Let's just start with that. At this point in time, we all have to come together and agree, whether a male or female or, or black, white, wherever you stand on any you know, group that you belong into, we have to come together and agree on the simple fact that it is weird that a 50-year-old woman is still fantasizing and sharing intimate details about her relationship with a dead rapper or just a dead celebrity overall. Tupac has been dead for 25 years now. 25 years. He has been dead for as long as the WNBA has been around for. Let that sink in for a second. 25 years, a quarter of a century. A lot has taken place in 25 years. We can all agree to this. And yet, anytime she's interviewed, Anytime his birthday comes about, anytime the anniversary of his death comes around, she is always the first person to make some sort of vocal tribute to Tupac and talk about things that, that as if we didn't already know. And at this point, it's like we used to like just okay it, be like, you'd be like, you know what? She was friends with him, it's cool. But now at this point, it's like, okay, like, did you guys have sex? Because this whole, oh, we were just friends. I'm sorry, but anyone with half a brain is not going to believe the fact that you guys were just friends. With the way you passionately talk about him, no, I'm sorry, but you were more than just friends. Either you guys were in a relationship before, you know, Will Smith came into the picture, or you were having an affair with him while you were with Will. It's one of the two, if not both. I think it's perfectly reasonable at this point to 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 put that into the ether. Or maybe you guys just had the occasional fling here or there. It could it could also be that as well. Like before dating Will and what have you, I mean. And I think that should be a reasonable conclusion to come to. One of the three should be a reasonable conclusion to come to, especially when you consider the fact that during her entanglement with August Alsina, she openly stated how she saw a lot of Tupac in him. And when you and when you tell a black man that you see Tupac in them, the thug in them just gets so, you know, riled up in a positive way because like Tupac is probably the one dude within black culture that a lot of black men fetishize over. Like that is their epitome of a hardened black man. Like that is black masculinity right there. The thug image is definitely the pinnacle of black masculinity, which is a problem in our in our culture and our society. But Tupac is literally the figurehead of that. He is the patriarch of that. The thug life tatted on the abdomen. The tattoo is a little bit here and there. The, the the bandana tied backwards. Oh, my God. Think of how many rappers who have come out after Tupac who wanted to emulate that image to the best of their ability. Whether it was Ja Rule, whether it was, you know, DMX, rest in peace. Hell, even Nas had Godson tatted in the same fashion as Thug Life on his abdomen as well. 
But with Jada, it's almost as if she's trying to play coy. And I don't understand why. And on top of that, a lot of the a lot of the interviews that she's been doing lately and a lot of the red table talk stuff that she's been doing lately, which by the way is her only way of maintaining her relevancy, has been on the back burner of making Will look bad, whether she realizes it or not. Like the latest episode that she had with Gwyneth Paltrow talking about the sex life and how she would feel unsatisfied and wouldn't know how to communicate that and just kept on reiterating the fact that she was unsatisfied over and over again. You are literally telling the world that your husband is bad in bed. That is something that the world does not need to know. And it just looks as though you're trying to, to discredit the name of Will Smith. Like, I don't know what he may or may not have done within your relationship, but the fact that you're making this public, that he's bad in bed or that, you know, you have fantasies of Tupac, on one end, it makes him look, it makes him look bad, like it's embarrassing him, but on the other end, it makes you look petty and it makes you look as though that you haven't grown up. Again, you're 50 years old and you're out here expressing your thug fantasies. Whether it's for Tupac or whether it's the fact that you had an affair with a 25-year-old man in August Alsina who was emotionally vulnerable at that time, if I may add. It makes you look bad. It's kind of embarrassing at this point as well. What I'm upset upset at mostly, however, is the fact that, well, apart from her not taking accountability for what she's saying, of course, because that's blatantly obvious. It's the fact that not enough people, women especially, have not held Jada accountable for what she has said. It's disturbing, in fact, because we all know in this day and age especially, and I'm not trying to make this a man versus woman thing. I'm not trying to make that at all because there are plenty of women that I've spoken to who think Jada is a fucking clown right now. But in general, there's not... If, if this was about Will, if, if Will was doing all of this, if the roles were reversed and Will was doing all, all of this and he was having and he was uh, proclamating his obsession over an ex fling who passed away. We would be calling Will Smith all types of names in the book, because apparently in this generation, all men are trash. And when it comes to black men, especially niggas ain't shit. All of that would be through would, would be would be going through the echo chambers of angry women everywhere. But for whatever reason, when Jada is doing it, no one is batting an eyelash. And to me, that's very concerning. It feels like no one's batting an eyelash. And what I've noticed in this decade, I should say, or the latter half of this decade, if I'm to be more specific, is that when you have these platforms like the real, the talk, um, the red table talk. You have a lot of these women who are basically publicly spilling the tea and they're kind of adding to that stereotype of women and how women like to gossip. That's not indicative of all women. I know this for a fact, but they're perpetuating that stereotype. And then when it comes to, when it comes to black women, they're perpetuating that stereotype. Uh, people like Jada, Jada Smith or Jada Pinkett and these people on the talk in the real, they're perpetuating that stereotype as well because that's exactly what it is. It's a stereotype. 
and all these stereotypes and all these images of black men and black women go back to what we hold near and dear to our hearts when it comes to the image of black culture and how we're supposed to conduct ourselves as black people within black culture and how if we don't uphold these bullshit values and rituals that we've seen in the mainstream aspect of television, film, and music, then we are no longer black. We have our black cars taken away from us. The fact that we have a 50-year-old woman, woman in Jada Pinkett who has had a career, a, a career that spans about 30 years long within film and television, who is one of the more you know, accomplished actresses out there, just in general, just an accomplished actress in general. The fact that this woman has, what, two, three kids to her name with Will, I think two, just Jaden and uh, Willow. The fact that you are a wife and a mother and you are 50 years old. And you're conducting yourself in this fashion and behavior. And especially when you're talking about your, your love for Tupac or, your, or your, just your love for the thug image. Like she may not have said it verbally verbatim. But based on her proclamations for her obsession with Tupac and the whole entanglement with August. It's very clear that she has an obsession for the thug image. And unfortunately when it comes to you know, black masculinity. The image of a black man that 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 is fond over is the is the man who is hypersexual and, and hyper masculine. You can even go back to the interview that Lauren London did with uh, what was it King magazine or GQ or one of those publications where she said how she's obsessed with, with the thug and she wants a man to rob a bank and then make sweet thug love to her at the night. I mean, hell, she married Nipsey Hussle. But we saw how that went. Nipsey also got killed because of his thug past. And now she's a widow. I don't know if they had kids, but look what happened. That's what thug loves gets you. And yet that is still the image that unfortunately more than a lot of black women fiend over. And now, mind you, I'm not trying to make this a black man versus a black woman thing because there are plenty of black men out there who fiend over the bad bitch, the ride or die bitch, the, 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 the Instagram baddie, et cetera, et cetera, which is problematic as well. But in the case of Jada, J, Jada Smith, or Jada Pinkett rather, we're talking about a woman who was married with kids, who has an accomplished career behind her, who's 50 years old. And still out here having affairs and fiending over or fawning over a man who is no longer with us, who, who hasn't been with us for 25 years and still proclaim, proclaiming your obsession for him over the man that you've been married to for at least the amount of time that Tupac has been dead for. A man who, may I say, on paper at the very least, is a catch and a half. One of the biggest actors of all time, just from a popularity standpoint alone, someone who's in their music career was able to transition into film and television, who brought hip-hop to the mainstream, who brought hip-hop to your primetime living rooms. Someone who has been in, who at one point in time was named Mr. Blockbuster, is every movie he came out was during blockbuster season and would always sell out in the first weekend with 
crazy box office numbers. This guy's been nominated for Oscars. Like this guy, in every definition of the word, is an A-list celebrity. And on top of that, he comes across as a pretty cool human being as well. And he has influenced so many people in the world of entertainment to do what they do. Yet for whatever reason, through his uh, career accomplishments, through the fact that he gave you two beautiful children, to, to the fact that he's been nothing but a supportive husband to you and has given some of his shine to you so that you can shine in your career as well. And after all that, that's still not enough. That's still not enough in your eyes. And the crazy thing is, the crazy thing is, even though she's the one who committed infidelity and adultery, there will be people out there who will look at Will and say that it's his fault because he somehow wasn't doing his job, which is absolute bullshit. Listen, I don't know what their, what their, marriage contract looks like what their prenup situation looks like but i'm assuming that because will is still with this woman that he is probably not going to get a divorce or anything like that because i'm sure it would cost a hell of a lot more money to go through with that because i'm guessing they don't have a prenup because this is asinine and it's like jada like you you realize that will is the bigger star than you right like, and I know, I know, I know there are going to be some women who don't want to hear this. And I don't give a shit. But Jada is lucky to be with Will Smith. Let me repeat that and let me reiterate that in case you didn't catch that. Jada is lucky to be with Will Smith. Lucky. If it weren't for her being married to Will Smith, no one would even know who the hell she is. Let, let me rephrase it, actually. No one outside of black culture would know who she is. Because there are plenty of actors within black culture who have done tons of films. But because those films haven't crossed over into the mainstream, and because they, in part with that, haven't crossed over into the mainstream, no one knows who they are. Ask your general movie watcher who Morris Chestnut is. They they probably wouldn't even they 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 probably wouldn't even guess who he is. Michael Ely? Probably not. Shamar Moore? Eh, maybe, maybe. Shamar Moore, maybe. He was in the Young and the Restless and he was in SWAT. So they'll, they'll probably know who he is. I'll I take that one back, actually. I take that one back. Um, let's see here. Who else? Who else? Godfrey? They probably want to know who Godfrey is. And these are very talented actors and comedians in their own right, but they haven't crossed over into the mainstream. And if not for Jada Smith or Jada Pinkett's marriage to Will Smith, a lot of people in the mainstream wouldn't know who she is. Why? Because a lot of the movies that she's been in have been merely primarily black movies. And a lot of them have been the hood movies as well. Jason's Lyric. The Inkwell, Menace to Society. She was in The Night Professor Part 1. She was in that one. I'll, I'll give her that one. 
She was in a different world, but that wasn't mainstream, though. I think only a black audience was watching that. And even then, she wasn't a main cast member in that show. She was like an occasional cast member at best. And the only episode that we really remember her from, ironically enough, was the one where Tupac was the guest star in that. And, of course, Tupac was the bad boy, the thug. And, you know, her boyfriend at the time was the college dude, the college dude trying to get his education up. But she had more of an attraction to the Tupac character. Like, isn't it funny how art imitates life? It's fucking poetry, I tell you. Anyways, I say all that to say that Jada should be kissing the feet of Will Smith. Because if not, if not for him, you know, basically showing showing her off to the world and be like, this is my wife, I'm happy, you know, we're great, da 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 no one would give a shit about her. And that is the reality of the situation. And so you compound all that with the fact that she is having these proclamations about thug love and 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 the fact that she was open about her. Well, she wasn't open about her infidelity. Like it was basically August who snitched on her. But nonetheless, the fact that this is going on and the fact that no one or, or it seems like very little people are holding her accountable, it's 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 absolute bullshit to me. So I don't know what else I could say beyond this point, but I'm just going to say this. Will Smith deserves better. He absolutely deserves better. He deserves a better woman than than Jada. I'm sure he will always love her for the fact that they brought children into the world, and rightfully so. And from here on out, I think they should do the best as they can as parents to you know continue to instill these lessons that they've imparted on their children. I mean, they're not really children anymore. They're like in their 20s now. But still, nonetheless, just be there for for your son and your daughter as parents. You know, be be mature, responsible adults in that regard. I was going to say something about Willow, but Willow really doesn't have anything to do with this. Neither does Jada, so I'm going to leave that out. And as for Jada, Jada, you're a piece of shit. I'm sorry. Like, you're, you're a piece of shit. Like, you're literally trying to use your husband's plight as a come up for your bullshit platform red table talk. And literally this is the first thing that she's been relevant in since what girls trip. Again, another movie that probably wasn't seen by a whole lot of people outside the black community. Didn't really get a whole lot of mainstream attention. And beyond that, like what else has she been a part of that's been significant? I think her biggest role from a visibility standpoint was maybe the matrix reloaded. But even that she played a very small role in that film. She had maybe about 20 minutes of screen time at best. She had probably just as much screen time as Roy Jones Jr. So anyways, Jada Smith, Jada Pinkett. I'm going to call her Jada Pinkett from now on. She, doesn't, she does not deserve to carry the last name of Smith anymore. Um, she's a piece of shit in my eyes. She's a piece of shit. Uh, she ain't shit. <laughs> Straight up. She's trash. And I'm not, I'm not going to generalize the entire black female demographic based on her mistakes. I'm just going to call her trash specifically, but there are a lot of people, you know, who kind of fit that bill who will champion her for what she's doing. I'm not going to say it's all, I'm not, but I will say it's more than a sizable amount. So for championing that type of behavior, I'm going to say that you guys are trash as well. And anyone who doesn't hold her accountable. In fact, not only if you do not hold her accountable, but if you celebrate that behavior from her male or female, you're trash too, as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah, she's trash. And she doesn't deserve Will. Simple as that. But what do y'all think? 
Did I go too hard on Jada? Personally, I don't think I didn't go hard on her enough, but it is what it is. Either way, let me know what your thoughts are, and we can talk about it later on. All right, and final topic for Trip Talk. Speaking of accountability, or lack thereof, let's talk about Summer Walker, okay? <laughs> Summer fucking Walker. Oh, my God. Ay, ay. Okay, Summer Walker. So, Summer Walker recently came out with an album entitled Still Over It, and this has taken the internet by storm. Now, Full disclosure, I think Summer Walker is a very talented artist. She's a very good singer. I've heard some of her records, and she can sing her ass off. I'm not going to take that away from her. That said, with her with her album that came out and with a lot of the stories that people know her from and know her by, it sounds as though she hasn't learned from her mistakes. All right? And as proof of her not learning from her mistakes and still not holding herself accountable, let me just list some of the song names off of her album, off of her current album, which is entitled Still Over It, all right? Switch a Nigga Out. Unloyal. Toxic. Broken Promises. Fourth Baby Mama. In reference to herself. And then Sierra's Prayer as the album closer. Now, let me focus on Fourth Baby Mama, okay? For those who may not be aware. So Summer Walker had a, I think she had the baby or she's currently pregnant. It's one of the two. I think she had a baby. But basically, she had a baby by a music producer by the name of London. For those who are not familiar with London, You've probably heard a lot of his records, but don't even realize it. In fact, with every record that he's produced, you hear the soundbite that says London on the track. So started from the bottom, for example, by Drake is from London on the tra- is from London. And it says near the beginning of the record, London on the track. All right. So he's re- he's responsible for producing a lot of hits. Now, she entitled the song Fourth Baby Mama because she is, in fact, the fourth baby mama of London. London has three other baby mamas. And going into a relationship with London, she was fully aware of the fact that he had three baby mamas. And for whatever reason, she thought that she was special in the sense that maybe she could be the one to turn his life around and make an honest man out of him. But what happened? She became the fourth baby mama. I don't blame London for that. The same way I don't blame uh, Brittany Renner for (laughs) being in a relationship with PJ Washington. Because like PJ Washington, Summer knew what she was getting herself into and chose to do it anyway. But again, lack of accountability. Like, what do you say to somebody who openly dates someone and where you know their track record is a mile long? Like, you can't get mad at anyone except for yourself, all right? And then and then we go into, you know, Sierra's prayer, all right? Mind you, th- these titles are just, they, they astound me, all right? They astound me. You know why they astound me? Because it just screams out a lack of accountability. So for those who don't know, Sierra 
who is married to a football superstar, Russell Wilson, allegedly prayed that she would find a man like Russell, okay? She prayed that she would find a, find a man like Russell. And apparently, I don't, I don't know if Sierra shared the prayer with Summer or if this is an interpretation of Sierra's uh, prayer by the hands of Summer Walker. But basically, all they're trying to say is that they prayed for a man and that the man would come and that the man did come. And it came in the form of Russell Wilson. Now, for those of you who are not religious or for those of you who are religious, either way, it doesn't take a genius to point out that God is not a genie and prayers don't necessarily work out like wishes. Like you can't just say, dear God, please find me a man. Please find me a woman. Please, please, oh, please. I dream of marriage. Like it doesn't work like that. Like God is not, is not some sort of like service that you can call upon at, at, at any given time. He's not Uber Eats. Like he's, he doesn't give out prayers on delivery. That's not how it works. And this is very common amongst a lot of women. Like they will, like if they've been single for God knows how long, then they'll pray for a man. And I don't know where the man is just supposed to come out out of thin air. I've even heard some women say not only to, you know, please God, please find me a man, but they'll say, they'll put a time limit on it as well. They'll be like, please God, please help me find my husband this year. Really? So you have God working on time constraints now? What is he, a subcontractor? You are literally out here trying to commission God for, for miracles. And for those miracles to happen, to happen in some sort of timely manner as well. That is not how that shit works. It's, it, it, it's not. It, it's just not. And so, you know, I'm, I'm low-key joking when I say this stuff, but this is, this is an actual thing that, that happens with a lot of women. They, they will, I'm not going to say, the, again, I hate to preface this stuff because I hate that we, we, how people have to be so PC, have to be so specific and direct with what they're saying. But I'm just going to say for the record, just so no one will try and pull my card. But I'm going to say for the record that this is not all women who say this. Of course not. It's not all women. And it's not all black women, especially who say this. But there's more than enough women within the culture who will pray for shit like this. And this is not how it works. And so I'll give Sierra credit for going from future to Russell Wilson, but the amount of people who roast Russell Wilson kind of goes back to my, my point about Will Smith in the sense that he's an individual within the black community who doesn't acquiesce to the black male stereotype, which is, which also happens to be the, the, the pinnacle of black masculinity, unfortunately, because you get a guy like Will Smith in black culture, he's automatically considered, you know, whitewashed and corny. Same thing with Russell Wilson. But let Russell Wilson and Will Smith be of any any other race or ethnicity. He's just an all-around good guy. You have, if you have a black woman in the culture who dates Will Smith, who is not of that same train of thought that happens to be within uh, black culture, she will appreciate him as a good guy. Subsequently, if Will Smith or or Russell Wilson were to date anyone outside of black culture, they would just be seen as a good guy. But for people 
in the culture, they're seen as corny and whitewashed because of the standards that black culture has for its men, as well as the culture that they have for its women as well. And when we see, you know, Summer Walker going for a guy like London on a track, you had every opportunity to not date him or not date anyone like him. But because of the appeal that he has, an appeal that I'm sure caters to the black male stereotype, you couldn't help yourself but to be in a relationship with him thinking that you would be the common denominator that would make him change his ways. It's almost like there are some women in the culture, unfortunately, who want to date the thug, but they want to clean him up as well so that they can have both the thug tendencies and they can have the corporate and or gentleman tendencies as well. And it doesn't work like that. You can't have your cake and eat it too. And a lot of people will use Jay-Z and Beyonce as an example. But guess what? As we saw, what, two, three years ago, even Jay-Z himself cheated on Beyonce. Beyonce of all people. Beyonce. Queen Bee of the Beehive. Beyonce. Girls want to be like Beyonce. Like, you can't... (laughs) Like, you can't turn a hustler into a husband at the end of the day. That's what it just comes down to. So if you really want that security, if you really want to be in a space where you can, you know, uh, have that situation where you, you're, you, you have that nuclear household, you have the husband and you have the kids, the 2.5 kids, whatever you want to call it, the white picket fence, then what good does it do for you in, in hooking up with a thug? Or someone who has that hyper black masculine image. It's not going to help one bit. You're just going to be in a perpetual cycle of ineptitude. Because everyone's going to be looking at you and saying you're a dumbass because this guy had three other baby mamas. And you decided that, hey, maybe I can change him. But really, you just ended up being the fourth. So I say all that to say that there's like just off the album, uh, off the album songs alone, there's a lot of. A lot of a lack of accountability and the fact that there are so many people who are championing, you know, Summer for these topics and taking her side of of whatever narrative she's building up. It shows that they lack they they lack self-awareness and self-accountability as well, because let's just blame the guy for everything instead of looking at yourselves internally and saying, you know what, maybe I should have hooked up with him in the first place. But no, self-accountability is, is absent in, in today's world, especially when it comes to, you know, things that happen within the black community, which is unfortunate. At least from a pop culture standpoint, that's what I'm noticing. That's what I've been noticing. And Summer Walker is no different, unfortunately. And now you got all these people who are like living and swearing by every word that 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 she that she breathes into a microphone. Listen, I thought Keisha Cole was bad when it came to lack of a, lack of self accountability. But Summer Walker, oh my gosh, she is taking that baton and she is running with it. She is running with that baton faster than Shelly Ann Frazier. Oh my gosh. Listen, for all the hardcore like Summer Walker stands out there, just proceed with caution. Like, I know that means nothing coming from me, but proceed with caution. All right? Proceed with caution. If you can listen to her just for entertainment, say, great. That's fine. But if you're going to be somebody who internalizes everything she says and apply apply it to your life, ooh, boo-boo, oof. 
you have a lot of dark days ahead of you. A lot. But hey, maybe I'm completely wrong on that. What do y'all think? Either way, you already know how it goes. Let me know in the comments. Uh, hit me up personally if you want, and let's have a conversation about it. And finally, to wrap things up on this long pod, I know we're we're probably like an, an hour and 25 in, but there's a lot that I had to get off my chest when it came to these topics. But nonetheless, it is time for Wankster of the Week. And this week's Wankster of the Week, and I mentioned her earlier actually, goes to none other than Instagram viral sensation, Brittany Renner. All right. Brittany Renner is getting the wankster of the week. And she is getting the wankster of the week because of, yet again, a lack of self-accountability. Now, she was on a podcast with, um, oh, what's my name's name? Uh, DJ Academics. And they're talking about the whole situation with uh, NBA player PJ Washington, as well as the stunt that she pulled where she said, Uh, for everyone to hide their sons when she was on a university campus now if you if you go back a couple weeks ago i fully said that i don't feel bad for pj washington at all except for when it comes to the child because you can see britney redder coming from a while away we we know her history we know her track record and we know that this is what you're going to get yourself into that said she presented some new information for us to pontificate upon. So she did say that it was PJ's idea to have the child. She did say that PJ stepped out in the relationship. All right. So take that for what he will. Take it with, with a grain of salt. It could be true. It could be untrue. I'm not going to rule it out as being false because a lot of, how, how hmm, I'm not even going to say he's high profile, but a lot of NBA athletes and just a lot of athletes in general want to live the life that they feel like they're supposed to live when it comes to being the eligible bachelor and what have you. So I wouldn't be surprised if that were the case. And on top of that, he's young as fuck as well. Like he's, what is he, like 22 at most? Anyways, I digress. Reason why I'm giving her the wankster, however, is because of the fact that she does not understand why she is being ridiculed by so many people with regards to her being called a predator now would i call her a predator i wouldn't because she's what 28 29 and she's on a college campus meaning that everyone who's there is either 18 or turning 18 as of that year so i wouldn't call her a predator in that regard because like i said at the top of the show once you're 18 you are an adult like you have the legality to enlist in the army to get a full-time job to, um, to to apply for student loan, to pay rent, et cetera, et cetera. So I want to call her a predator. But with her tactics, they come across as predatory because we all know the story of, of how she was able to get in touch with PJ in the first place by attending his high school games when he was 17 while she was still in her, what, like mid-20s at, at the very least. So, of course, that's going to be seen as predatory. And we don't really use that term for women because women publicly at least aren't out on the prowl for younger men. It's just not that it doesn't happen. We don't hear about it often enough in comparison to grown men who are in like their thirties, you know, uh, stalking women who are like 16, 17 years old. But she's trying to bring up all these examples like Jay-Z and Beyonce and stuff like that, as far as the age difference. And what she's neglecting to understand is the fact that when you are trolling out there and basically, and basically going on your own 
uh, profile on Instagram and social media saying, hide your sons, hide your sons, I'm coming, I'm out here. You are basically making a parody of the persona that you've created for yourself and, and that you've allowed for people to make of yourself as well. But then you want to come out here and cry victim and you want to say, oh, I don't understand why people are judging me. It's like, because you created this. You created that image for yourself. You created that image in order for yourself to be marketable across social media. The only reason why people are talking about you is because of your, is because of your exploits. You have been doing this for as far back as 2017 when you put out that book about all the people that you slept with in the entertainment industry. You have repeatedly said on your social media platform that athletes are probably the dumbest guys to con because all you literally have to do is let them skeet inside you and before you know it, you're rich for the next 18 years. You have said all these things. You have been open about the fact that you've been scouting PJ Washington ever since he was 17 years old and yet you want to come out here and cry and complain that people are mischaracterizing you or they're misjudging you or they're, or they're calling you a predator and so all that stuff. You allowed for that to happen because you created that persona for yourself. And for that reason, I cannot give you sympathy and nor can you expect sympathy from anyone, regardless of what has happened or what transpired in that relationship that you had with PJ, which, by the way, you decided to get a divorce behind his back anyway. And that that alone just makes the optics look bad. But nonetheless, because of that and because of your lack of self-awareness and your lack of not taking accountability for yourself, you are getting the wankster of the week. And that about does it for tonight's episode, people. Um, listen, I want to thank y'all for tuning in. This is one of the longer pods I've done in a while. This is I'm clocking in around like an hour and a half. I didn't think, I honestly did not think the pod was going to be this long. So if you have still stuck in uh, listening, man, y'all are the best. You already know what it is. Uh, but yeah. You already know. I love to have these discussions. I, lo- I like to have these uh, uh, these talks, if you will. And there are going to be plenty more for you in the future. But anyways, I will be back with another pod either the next week or the week after. We're going to have some more discussions. We're, we're going to engage in debates potentially on the sidelines if, for anyone who wants to DM me. Speaking of which, follow me on multiple platforms at CoolRadioCC, at DM underscore Cool, or at cool for thought, like the number four. Um, and then other than that, shoot, you already know what it is. It's your man, DM. Cool. I want to thank y'all for tuning in as usual. And as you already know, Cool Radio is a division of Cool Click Media and Entertainment, reminding you each and every day that we are out here creating our own legacies. Keep it gravy and wavy. We are out of here. Peace. <laughs>